Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday. We're off and running. KMOX Home Improvement 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby here, live at the mic with you here. Lots to talk about on University of KMOX. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Little frost on the pumpkin. Time to get a little bit ready for old man winter. I promise that we're not going to talk about snow and ice for a while. But, uh, you know, we went from too hot, too cool, then hot again, then flooding, now drought. Oh, my goodness. 314-436-7900 and all the ways to talk about handling these things because the reality is Mother Nature is undefeated. She will level the, the scales no matter what. So in this drought time, start thinking about what happens when the pendulum swings swings back the other way and the rain begins yet again. So with the drought, Mike Miller was uh, talking about the plants, how you prepare and hydrate fully. Keep in mind that getting a good amount of moisture in the soil for plants also affects the structure and the foundation uh, support, if you will, the soil holding up your house because it is the soil that holds up your house. The foundation is just an intermediary to transfer loads from that built structure down to the soil. So it's the soil that really holds up everything in your house. If it gets a little too dry, a little too wet, a little too plastic, starts moving around, then you have problems with that foundation. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. Gosh, I've been on here um, almost as long as Mike Miller, about a quarter century, so uh, maybe that dates me. Some of my uh, experience goes back far enough. I'm a second-generation builder general contractor. We are now design builders, which means we're like licensed architects. We have everything necessary at Mosby Building Arts, stem to stern, to really get any kind of a residential construction project performed, from design, permitting, planning, estimating, drawing, and then uh, getting all the uh, the teams and tools necessary to perform that project. With that, I sit here on KMOX ready, willing, and able to share with you the experience that I picked up from my father, started in 1947 on to now. So uh, there's a lot of stuff that has come and gone, and yet the physics, the basics of this industry remain central right in the middle of all the logic because, again, Mother Nature is undefeated. Laws of physics are kind of irrefutable. So there we go, uh, all the things that happen structurally. Technology continues to move ahead. New products, new methods, new training uh, programs. Manufacturers continue to innovate very rapidly with new products. How that flies in and out of the industry or, frankly, how it crashes in and out in the industry, sometimes the technology gets a little bit ahead of the training of the actual trade skills and people to perform as well as design these projects, which is why we're in the design-build business, trying to get all of the team members together in one room. If you think about it, it's like playing the game of telephone. You start with a message on one end, and by the time you silently transfer that message chair to chair to chair to chair, then you know you wind up with a very different message coming out at the end. Our message is let's get us all together in one room, one team, and try and minimize those issues and communicate the best we can. Still, we're human. Issues uh, abound. And now we're into pandemics. We're into uh, all kinds of economic resets. 
not enough labor things. So, golly, there's a lot to talk about here on CAMWAGS. My name is Scott Mosby. I own Mosby Building Arts. We were founded in 1947. Uh, nice to be here and nice to see Mike Miller. Golly, uh, uh, he's uh, uh, he, he's the only thing making my yard and my house greenery survive. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. We've got a long show today. Cardinals uh, happening things around here. So uh, we're in the postseason playoffs. Lots to talk about. Now soccer and hockey. What a great town to be in. 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby at your service. Think about things around your home. So as we get into the wintertime uh, or sneaking up to what winter is, um, and it can come quickly. Uh, we can have uh, cool temperatures. The leaves are beginning to turn. The maples are starting to get colorful. Uh, this is one of my favorite times in St. Louis for uh, just beauty, frankly, uh, and some of the drives that around the area that are just special and spectacular for those trees. But with those trees comes the pending leaf loss. Leaves wind up on the roof, they wind up in your yard, they wind up in the gutters, they plug the downspouts, then uh, you get a little bit of frost and freeze, you freeze up those leaves and those gutters and downspouts, then you have a big rainstorm as Mother Nature comes back. My point being, be prepared and stay on top of your house, especially now when these weather days and opportunities give you the time to pay attention to them. It really matters whether or not you're on top or not. Simple things that you can go through now. Uh, lubricate your locks. Use a uh, dry lubricant of some sort. Some some uh, spray cans are called dry lube, uh, and that's a good thing for locks. You can get into um, uh, uh, powdered graphite, and don't do the black stuff. Powdered graphite is the same thing that's in a uh, number two uh, black pencil. So if you can get white powdered graphite, that lubricates well. The the reason we do non thing, you know, you try not to do WD forty. Uh, WD-40 works just fine until you get down to about 10 degrees Fahrenheit. And we have a lot of times when it gets really cold and that's not the time for a lock to sludge up on you with some sort of a petrochemical lubricant, oil-based as it is silicone. So watch it with those sorts of uh, lubrications. Get your uh, garage doors adjusted. Make sure you get those safety eyes on there. Uh, the resistance, uh, change your light bulbs in your garage door opener. All those simple things. And uh, we're sneaking up on daylight savings time about a month from now. Uh, start getting your batteries ready to go because uh, it's very important for those smoke detectors that those batteries get changed twice a year just because the life you save may be your own. Yeah, it's important. 314-436-7900. We're going to talk about a lot of things throughout the hours today. Stay with me here. Scott Mosby, KMOX. Cardinals playing tonight. Uh, we're going to try and get it uh, get it done. And uh, we'll see tonight. Uh, the pregame show tonight, 630, right here on KMOX. Stay tuned for an afternoon of experts on University of KMOX. Scott Mosby standing by. We're going to come right back after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, happy Saturday, happy weather, middle of the country, middle of the thermostat. As we're warming up to a chilly day, 60 degrees, good sun, Great time to be outside. Again, start getting that house ready for the coming winter. Start stocking up on things. Now's the time to kind of get the lawnmower uh, serviced and ready to go. 
Keep in mind the furnace needs a little attention and love. If anything you want to get serviced on that heating season, now is the time to call those service techs for the HVAC people to come out. This is their slow time when it's not really hot and it's not really cold. That's the time to get them out because uh, they're more available and they're a little less frazzled, harried, and hurried. So it's a great time to get them going. Uh, be prepared. Uh, outside, uh, Don't uh, we're not quite finished with air conditioning. We may be, we may not be. You never know. We get some uh, spikes in the afternoons, 80 degrees coming up here in the afternoon uh, coming next week. Uh, so just be prepared and get your house ready for the coming winter. That into, I, I promised I wouldn't talk about ice and snow. Well, uh, start looking around for your snow melt maybe a little bit early in the hardware store, home centers. Uh, but uh, as we roll into the holiday season, snow, snow melt will become something that needs to be handy, helpful, and right there uh, at your service and your garage. Uh, let's go to the phone lines here and talk with my friend Pat. Hey, Pat, good morning. Welcome to Camlex. How can I help you this fine morning? Good morning. Um, when we had that big giant rainfall and everybody's basements was flooding, mm -hmm. I didn't really have a flood, but I did have water come into my basement um, in just a couple of places around the, the bottom where the wall meets the floor. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I cleaned it up. And my son-in-law built this house for us in 1988. And so, obviously, I talked to him about it. It's the first time I had had that kind of problem because I said, should I be having somebody come out and look to seal that up? And he said, no, I should not, that it was designed to, I guess, let the concrete move with the temperature changes and things like that. Yes, yes. And then I heard an advertisement on the radio about um, a company that would come out and seal up all that stuff. And so it got me to wondering, you know, which is right. So I thought, well, I'll call you and find out. Well, they're both correct. They're both correct. Um, That's not an answer. <laughs> well, but the, I'm going to, I'll connect the dots for you here. The, okay. the concrete floor gets bigger and smaller, but what really caused that crack, when, it, when the floor was poured up next to the foundation, it was tight right next to one another, touching adjacent, all of that. As thousands of gallons of water left both the foundation concrete and the concrete floor, then the concrete floor shrinks, the, the foundation shrinks a little bit, but that floor moves away, leaves a little bit of a gap from a water intrusion issue um, six of one, half a dozen of the other. If it takes 10 inches of rainfall to make your basement leak a little in a few places, I don't consider that broken. I just consider that pay attention to the future. Now, radon is a different issue. Radon comes through the cracks between that concrete floor and the wall. So I would suggest caulking that with a pliable material, one part urethane caulk, and your son-in-law will know about that, and he'll understand the radon as well. But I wouldn't, you know, seal it up with cement or anything that's solid. But, you know, frankly, uh, it's good for bugs. You know, you caulk it up, it looks a little bit better. You have to use a very high-quality caulk, and it keeps that gas. Radon is a, a colorless, odorless gas that is loaded with uh, radioactive uh, radioactivity. So it will get in and cause uh, lung issues, uh, specifically cancers. So the radon is huge in Illinois. 
it is common in Missouri, so anywhere around the middle of the U.S. where, you know, we, you really have to pay attention to that. So, uh, you know, an ounce of prevention beats a pound of cure. I, I would have somebody come in and use one part urethane caulk, really high-quality caulk, just caulk around and just, you know, close the joints at that. It, it, if the uh, foundation moves or the floor moves up and down as it might, then, you know, the, the caulk goes with it and it doesn't really break. So you kind of get the best of both there, Pat. Okay, because I was a little bit concerned. We've had such a long dry spell here, <laughs> and I thought, well, if I if we get any measurable amount of rain, I'm probably going to have something leak in again. I mean, probably not as much, but a leak nonetheless. Yeah, and frankly, after those big rainfalls, um, new channels of water movement underground can occur. Um, just because it was fine in 1960 or 1988, you know, things change and golly, you know, 10, 12 inches in a few hours, you know, there's no telling. So, you know, if it were mine and for me, I would do it mostly number one for bugs. I'm a neat Nick, uh, number two for radon and number three. Yeah. You know, just, it'll make me feel a little better about water, but if water really wants to come in on, on, us, you know, ground uh, it'll, saturation. It'll find a place. <laughs> find a, yeah, that's kind of what your son-in-law is telling. He's like, uh, yeah, you're sticking your finger in the in the dike and then it'll move over. You're going to run out of fingers, Mom. <laughs> okay, I got it. Okay, yeah. I got it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's very reassuring. Thanks, Pat. Uh, and and don't underestimate the, the radon value of that, too. Um, the, it's a big deal in this part of the country, so easy to do. Okay. All right. Got it. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye now. Scott Mosby Home Improvement. Again, asking a good question may bring a different answer. Um, And, you know, people say, you know, where do you get all those answers? Like, well, sometimes, sometimes my answers actually line up with the questions. So, anyway, you know, it's kind of fun that way. Um, Well, let's see what's happening with my friend Carla. Hey, Carla, good morning. Welcome to CamWax. How can I help you this Saturday? Oh, good morning. Uh, yes, um, I purchased a home. It has a older um, cultured marble tub surround. Mm-hmm. And when I moved in, the caulk was beautiful and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked like it had recently been replaced. Now I'm noticing black mold starting to grow from the top um, area where it's closest to the tub. It's like growing over the top of that caulk line. Yeah. Uh, how should I deal with that? And is there something from behind the cultured marble piece that needs to be dealt with? You're, you're, you're so smart. You, you nailed it. It, it is. Uh, that caulk, whether it's ceramic tile, uh, an acrylic surround, cultured marble, uh, whatever it is, if moisture is behind or in your walls, and it come, it can come through from the siding, it can overflow from the gutters outside. Most commonly in a shower, water is coming in somewhere and getting in the wall behind that. Um, moisture always yeah. moves from high concentration to low, so a wet wall will always try and dry itself to both the outside of the house and the inside of the house. As it does... That moisture gets stuck between that caulk because it is a good thing to caulk that joint. It's a big deal. Otherwise, you'll have a really wet wall. But the the issue is look around there uh, for um, where the moisture can come from there, Carla. It's, it's, you're, yeah. you're, you're right on it that the 
the mold and grout in the in the caulking is a symptom. It is not the problem. Ah, uh, okay. Well, it's a it's the inside wall. It shares the wall that has the water problem with a powder room oh, that does have an outside wall. So I'm wondering now that you said that, is there some kind of issue with the uh, um, the sink? that's up against that wall on the other side in the powder room, that maybe that is a source of dampness. Yeah, you're on it there. Now, keep in mind that whole wall is what we as builders call the wet wall. It's loaded with a bunch of water supply pipes, a lot of drain pipes. So uh, we, we make that wall thicker so we can put all those pipes in it when we build the house or remodel the bathroom. So it is a wet wall and it is ripe for opportunities of leaks or drips or condensation and, you know, so, yeah. Okay. Well, if I, if I clean out the underside of the, um, I've got the sink with the little storage cabinet beneath it in the yeah. powder room. If I clean out that underneath, what am I looking for underneath to see if the source is coming from, you know, the dampness is coming from that? Usually you'll see discoloration in the cabinet. And if you really want to know, um, there's, uh, there's a $12 high-tech solution. Believe it or not, that's true. You go to the hardware store and you get a, um, a digital thermometer. Um, I buy the indoor-outdoor one. It has a wire on it. And uh, I just take that digital thermometer and the one that has the relative humidity with the hygrometer on it. So it'll tell you, you know, this much percent relative humidity and 78 degrees It'll tell you how wet it is. If you just stick that thing down underneath that vanity and see what it is. We use these around the house looking for humidity, wet basements, you know, because you may not have a leaking basement, but you may have a smelly basement, which indicates moisture. So same thing. You can just stick that in there and you'll find other uses for it throughout the year. But Ah. for $12 or $15, it's it's a cheap date to get really accurate digital information. Okay. So to... Eliminate the ugliness of that. Should I, you know, scrape that caulk out um, and replace it? Yeah. Yeah, you're probably going to do that every one or two years because once, and this gets to the technology, especially if you have a brick home or a plaster wall, uh, those things. Those things hold moisture and moisture moves through both of those materials, you know, willy nilly. So uh, you may wind up, and this is just an aesthetic issue, so don't worry about dyeing or black mold or any of that stuff. If it gets fuzzy, maybe you need to think about that. But uh, cut that caulk out with a razor blade or a utility knife, very, very sharp. You will lacerate that in a surgical, almost medical type. That gets you a clean cut and a good place to put your new caulk in. Okay. Is there a type of caulk specifically? that I should be looking for? Uh, typically, silicone is a good type of caulk. It's it's very difficult to handle. It's a mess. It's stringy, very hard to clean up. Once you get it on something, it's hard to get up, which all makes it a good thing for bathtubs and shower surrounds. So there's some that are uh, mildew-side or mildew-resistant silicone that are available at the uh, hardware store and home centers. That's the better stuff. But make sure that you dry this thing out um, before you put the caulk on. Okay, so I should, like, maybe uh, put a fan or something in there and let it go for how long? Oh, you know, as long as you can, really. A day or two is nice. Um, There will be some caulk here, Carla, between 
the bottom of the uh, cultured marble panel and the top of the tub deck. And, yeah. you know, cutting that out, that's that's the one that really uh, dries out the wall. So if you pull out the, the bevel part, that's an easy cut. The one that's hard to pull out, most of it, if it's silicone, it'll come out like a rope anyway. You pull one end and it just starts coming. That's where you can inspect the wetness of the wall and why that black. Um, yeah, that that's where it's turning black, where it's at yeah. the bottom of the cultured marble panel where it comes down to meet the, the lip in the tub. Yeah, yeah. And that's where it's turning black in that corner. And don't trust it. Uh, right. Just because that caulk looks pretty good doesn't mean it's it's water sealed. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll give it a whirl. If it means a you know a couple year replacement every once in a while, then I can handle that. Yeah, there you go, Carla. That's it's kind of lining up the expectations. Or you can spend about one hundred and fifty thousand to rebuild the house around that bathroom, and you can fix that mold, moisture mold issue. Uh, no. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay, Carla. Take care. Bye. 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 And that's kind of what I get to technology. It's like, well, technology, we build brick homes or solid brick, uh, uh, full masonry. Uh, the masons were in a brick town. So the brick in this town is really well installed. We, we have um, weep holes in it. We have drainage planes behind it. Bricklayers have been doing all this stuff for 100 years. As we moved into new technologies, EFIS, uh, the stove, the uh, the uh, artificial stuckle, latex modified stuckle. EFIS is E F. Uh, what is it? E-F- Exterior insulated finish system. E I F S. Sorry, E I F S. And that's that stucco stuff you see on the outside of the house. Well, you know, 30, 40 years ago, we were trying to seal up the house as tightly as we could, keep the moisture out, uh, keep the heat in, and all that energy efficiency stuff. Hey, did anybody get the memo that St. Louis has 92% relative humidity sometimes, which means that the the air is soaking wet. So you can't keep it out. It's endemic. It's everywhere. So that's kind of how we got into trouble on some of those things and why, you know, my advice to Carla is, you know, there, there are certain things in homes that we think is a good idea, doesn't really survive the test of time, and yet we keep trying to innovate because Mother Nature is pretty powerful. Anyway, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. Phone lines, bring it on, bring it in, bring it at plenty. Uh, vote early, vote often right here on KMOX. Scott Mosby standing by, back for more. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, big day, folks, right here on KMOX. We have the Pirates and Cardinals game in the postseason play. Pre-game 6.30 tonight, 7.37, first pitch right here on KMOX. Right up to this show at 12.15, we go to the pregame show for St. Louis City SC. This is the soccer game, so we've got things happening in the loo. (laughs) Good weather. And this time of year, there's stuff going on all over the town. Great time to be in St. Louis. Let's talk with my friend Guy. Hey, Guy, good morning. Welcome welcome to KMOX, and how can I help, sir? Uh, yes, sir. Um, you may have answered this question about radon. I heard a little bit about the few callers back, but we have just poured a slab for a new construction, mm-hmm. no basement, um, and so far I've not seen any cracks in the slab. Mm-hmm. But what would you recommend or do you recommend any kind of sealer or caulk around where the water and the uh, 
drain pipes and all that are coming up through the slab. Uh, I do, but it'll be a while uh, because uh, it really takes a year or two for all that uh, moisture to leave the concrete. For example, um, concrete will reach its um, 90% of its total strength in 28 days, which means that most of the water leaves in the first month of time. After that month, uh, then the sto- the concrete starts shrinking a little bit with uh, weather as well. My point being that, yes, this is a great idea um, if you can caulk all that up. But, frankly, a lot of those joints don't open up. Cracks don't occur for a year or two because all those building mm-hmm. materials are kind of settling in, getting used to each other over time. Mm-hmm. So, since we can't wait a year to finish the... <laughs> project, uh, I guess we just seal up what we can see at this point? Yes, yes. And really when uh, you've got tile or, you know, for example, in a, uh, with a floor drain, when you have a shower drain, something like that, generally the, uh, you know, the plumber kind of seals that up as well when they put the, the pipe in. But any kind of mm-hmm. caulking can work. Uh, all you're doing is trying to block that area so that the exchange okay. of gas from below the grade uh, doesn't exchange with your house. And and you uh, have also a plastic sheet. You'll have a polyethylene, a 6 mil polyethylene plastic barrier underneath that concrete. I'm Correct. Sure. Yeah. That, yes, that yes, goes we, a long way. That goes a long way. Uh, have you all actually seen a lot of radon coming up through slabs? Uh, not through slabs. It's not that uh, permeable. Uh, so the gas doesn't move in a concentration that matters, but it does come in around the leaks. So you have the house, uh, a radon test, which is common in, really, if you can hear my voice, in, in real estate transactions, home inspectors always do these radon tests. Most, right. most mortgagors require that for safety. Um, and all it is is the lowest level of habitable space. So if you have a finished basement, that's where the test is taken. If you have mm-hmm. an unfinished basement, you do it on the first floor. For you, a slab on grade is right there on that. And it has to be a closed-up house. So your house has to be pretty much finished before you can even test this thing. Okay. All right. Okay. Hey, appreciate it. All right. Guy, you're down in Cape Girardeau? Uh, Farmington, actually. Farmington. Oh, beautiful country. Oh, St. <laughs> Francis River, one of my favorites. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks for the call, Guy. Take care. Yep. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. So, yeah, I spent many a day on the St. Francis River whitewater kayaking when my body worked a little bit better than it does today. A few shoulder issues, um, worn out things from being an athlete, and uh, golly, you, uh, I kind of decided that I was in love with my wife when, you know, we were dating, and I just had just finished paddling a river, and I just sat back and looked at the glory of nature. It's like, oh, there's one person I'd really like to share that with, and... That's when I knew. <laughs> Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, let's see what's cooking with my friend here, Kathy. Hey, Kathy, good morning. How can I help this morning? Hi, yes. Um, we're getting ready to remodel our kitchen, and I want to take the wall down between the dining room, dining room and the kitchen to open up the space. And I have uh, two different bids, one from a very experienced quality contractor, and it's extremely expensive, and then... Of course, we have someone who's been doing work for us for um, many years, and he's a he's a good contractor, but I don't know his level of experience there. Um, so I'm I think I'm going to know your answer is you know I really want to get this project done, but I don't want to skimp on 
removing this load-bearing wall. Um, it's probably 15 feet wide, and, you know, of course, it's in the center of the house, so um, it's kind of stopping my project now because I, I don't have the tens of thousands of dollars to, <laughs> to get that done. So what's the importance of that? Uh, it, let me ask you a few questions here, uh, Kathy. Is this, is this wall going down the middle of the house between the front and the back? Yes. Uh, on the end of your house, on your end of your house, do you have triangle, a gable roof where it upslopes on the front and downslopes on the back, just two simple slopes mostly? Well, um, yes, I'll say yes. I mean, it's a large home and we sit, um, kind of on the, the bluffs and it's about 35 years old and it was, you know, custom built. So it's, it's good construction, but we have many different roof pitches. Yeah. It's almost like a tree house. Oh, nice. Beautiful home then. I, I love that. Uh, but my, I think you are dealing with a load-bearing wall. If it is a load-bearing wall, uh, first off, you have to have a building permit for this. It's a big deal. That does take a little bit of time. But I would, um, if it is a load-bearing wall, that is not for the faint of heart. And uh, the, there are a few things you just don't... Um, uh, cut prices on one is medical care and the other is structures <laughs> and homes, you know, because it, it it all may fall down. And usually the stuff falls down when there's some nasty storm or snow on the roof or all the inconvenient things. Okay. So, so now I will say this, uh, oftentimes in things like that, you can hire a separate contractor to come in and put in the steel beam or whatever that span. 15 feet is a big span, by the way. Now, ways oh. to adjust that price is you can leave a few columns in so you can have two or three columns in there, maybe six feet apart, five feet apart. And that's, okay. very, that's very affordable. So you can open it up visually. You have to plan your furniture because, you know, if you come back after the project's all done, you may have a column right in the middle of the walk area. Whereas, if you you know, when you're designing, you can kind of move that column over right at the end of where a couch might be. So you can open things up visually, still not have to fund that big uh, load-bearing uh, clear span beam. So there are other ways to get there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Yep. And if you have a house like that, though, golly, um, uh, you're kind of a, a steward of keeping that house. It'll be around for a long time. If it's that cool a place, you know, don't cut costs because you can actually destroy some of the value of that house if you kind of look like you cut costs. Yeah, you know I'll keep I mean? saving. I'll keep saving up. <laughs> yep, yep. There, there you go. It's uh, and I. Oh man, I love some of those homes up on the bluffs. Uh, ooh, talk about a spiritual experience. Ooh. Yes. Well, All thank right. you. All right. Take care, Kath. Uh huh. Bye. We're going to take a short pause here on KMOX. Scott Mosby, stay tuned. We have soccer coming up twelve fifteen right here on KMOX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, back together. Home improvement first hour of two as we go up till uh, twelve fifteen, and the soccer game right here, pregame show right here on KMOX. Stay tuned. Lots of things happening. In this beautiful weather, golly, how about that? 60 degrees, soccer game, middle of the day. <laughs> oh, yeah, very good. Let's go to my friend Jim. Jim, good morning. Welcome to Camwick. Scott Mosby here standing by. How can I help? Well, Mr. Mosby, uh, in previous broadcasts, I've heard, heard you talk about the uh, disadvantages of vinyl siding. And uh, my wife and I were just talking, and we've uh, estimated that we've had 
steel siding with wood grain in it and baked on paint. It's been on there maybe, maybe 50 years, 48 or 50 years, and never a problem with denting or mold or paint fading, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm tracking right there with you. Uh-huh. And uh, anyway, I just wanted to make a comment and maybe a recommendation. Well, Jim, it's you know this is a this baffles me a little bit um, because I'm exactly on the same page as you. The steel mm-hmm. siding is it doesn't move like aluminum. Uh, it does mm-hmm. rust, but you know the coating value of it, steel just doesn't expand and contract quite like aluminum. So you don't mm-hmm. have the lapse even on a repaint. Steel is one of the sidings that actually repaint. You can paint over it pretty well because the, sure. the the lap joints don't move as much. So generally they might move you know a sixteenth or an eighth of an inch season to season quart. You know vinyl siding can move three eighths of an inch, and you can't I, paint ooh. the stuff. So I got you. Yeah, I got you. But it has fallen out of favor, uh, and I, I, I'm not really sure why. Uh, when mm-hmm. we go to remodel a house that has steel siding on it, we go to any length to save it because the only real siding color we can get in steel lap siding is white. And then you have yes. there's like one manufacturer that still makes steel. I, I don't know why it fell out of favor. You bring up a really good point, quite parallel with my heart. And it's it is bomb proof, you know. I mean, <laughs> it it, just, it works great. And I, I hung a lot of steel siding in my day, and mm-hmm. uh, it is hard as a rock, and and it's reliable as the Dickens too. I mean, the the warranties on the paint fade on steel sidings, and this is what got my first attention, you know, thirty forty years ago, is you know most warranties are. Eh, we'll warranty the finish for 20 years, maybe 30. Well, steel started at 30 and went 30, 40 years. The o- so the only long warranty the industry was willing to provide on steel or on mm-hmm. siding was steel siding, and then it just f- fell out of favor, and I'm not really sure why. I think probably because of cutting the steel, that when you cut an aluminum sheet of siding, you expose the unfinished edge end of that aluminum or steel. Yes. And when you yeah. do that mid-frame, you know, in the middle of a wall, then you wind up with uh, uh, rust and rust uh, joints. But those can be managed pretty much where you have all your cuts on the right or end corner, right or left end corners. But I got you. I think that's it, why it fell out of favor. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, I was going to also mention, too, like if you have vinyl siding on the side of your house and the house next door catches on fire, your siding's gone, too. Oh, yeah. Well... I don't know if you were listening last week, but uh, one of my favorite questions, which, uh, you know, I, I learned like a ton of bricks, is all these high-performance glass coatings on the neighbor's windows can melt yes. your siding as well. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, think about it. You've got this parabolic, curved, uh, really reflective glass surface, and the sun comes mm-hmm. down at a right angle, and it bounces off. Well, if you have a flat piece of glass, you just get a glare. But if you have insulated glass that might be a little concave with a vacuum in the middle of it or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. you're talking about a uh, you know you're talking about a magnifying glass, and you can literally melt your neighbor's vinyl siding off their house. And, and we had a phone call. We had a call last week on that, and it's real. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for taking my call. I thank you very much, Jim. Thanks for bringing that forward because it uh, steel siding is uh, close to my heart, and we don't put much of it up anymore because it's just hard to get. Ah, I see. I think uh, this company that uh, sold the side the siding to the guy that installed it mm-hmm. is uh, still in business, and I think it's I think it was called Allside. Yeah, Allside was and is uh, a good um, siding company, and I think they're the only one that you know when we get into it, it's like yeah, Allside white side. You can have any color as long as it's white. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much. Okay, Jim. Thanks for the point. Sure. Bye. Bye now. And there we go. There's another technology issue. Technology moves forward, but the installation uh, restrictions, i.e. cutting a ferrous metal that will rest on the edge uh, where you cut it with tin snips or we cut it sometimes with a backward uh, plywood cutting blade, but you get a, a sharp cut, but you still have water on the rain and you can get rust. So anyway, that's an example of technology that was dropped because of that. Back for more on KMOX. Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, good morning, 11 o'clock KMOX. One more hour taking us up to the soccer game, 1215 today. Scott Mosby at your service. Phone lines wide open for you. Bring it on, bring it in, bring it, bring it plenty. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, excuse me. And keep in mind, we are talking about all things about your home, anything related, indoors, outdoors, uh, health, safety, heat, cool, and preparing for coming seasons, as well as closing down past seasons. Uh, for those of you that are dealing with your yards, lawns, and the and the uh, plantings, my gosh, Mike Miller was busy today as we're going <clears throat> from flood to now drought. And, uh, you know, the rain will come. We've got a little bit, perhaps, forecast coming up in the next week. We'll see how that goes. The point being, be prepared. Um, whatever tools it takes. Uh, it's not a little bit too early to pull out the snow shovel. It is not too early to start looking for ice and snow melt and the appropriate type. So keep in mind, you can use rock salt on asphalt, but do not use salt, rock salt on concrete or pavers. Those are cementitious materials. And the chloride in that salt, sodium chloride, NaCl, the chloride part of salt actually deteriorates and breaks down the chemical bonds in cement. So it's not good. Uh, 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby here. We are going into the middle of the day. Keep in mind that uh, the outdoor times that we share, this is just wonderful outdoor times. And opening up the windows during the days, get your screens repaired. Window locks, make sure they work. Make sure your windows operate for opening and closing. Keep in mind... Windows are a legal fire escape as viewed by the building codes. So the size of an egress window, E-G-R-E-S-S, egress window or escape window in kind of plain English, uh, if your house catches on fire, you open up that window and you try and get out. Well, if that opening or the window is not large enough, uh, for example, those little bitty hopper windows in a basement, that's why they're not egress windows. Who, who, who among us, certainly listeners, can, number one, jump up to that seven-foot high site or climb up 
And then how do you get out that window space as small as that is? So that's an exaggeration of why there are certain windows that are qualifying for egress windows and some that are not. My point being that a window in a bedroom is a very important aperture opening and escape. So make sure they open and move freely, that the locks release and the sashes open uh, and the hardware operating cleanly as well. Likewise for doors, don't underestimate doors. When, when things freeze, that threshold will lift up as that cement slab it sits on rises from freezing soil. I know, I know, I know. It's a little early. I apologize for that. But, you know, I'm one that prepares a little bit early because I don't like being up against the wall where I have to do it right now today at this moment because I blew it off for the previous three months. So just think about it. If you're going to the hardware store, for those of you working around the home, all the DIYers out there, you're going back and forth to the hardware store and home center. You know, check it out. Get going. See what it is. Make sure you're changing the oil in your lawnmower and your lawn machines. And if you've got a snow blower, make sure that thing is electrically charged for the battery or that the motor engine is operating, oil changed on all of that. Just be prepared. Those of you with irrigation systems, lawn irrigation systems, sprinklers for those in, that need to speak English, uh, those are important to get winterized. We're a little before that. So those of you are getting that have irrigation systems, you're getting notices from the uh, service companies to come out and blow it out. What they do is they hook up, they open up all the valves and they hook up a an air compressor and they pressurize those lines so that it literally pushes the water, evacuates or sprays replaces all the water in those lines with air. Air doesn't freeze quite, at least it doesn't expand like the uh, liquid water does in your pipes. It'll literally tear your irrigation system apart if you do not winterize it. So now that's important. Also, of course, those with pools and fountains and hot tubs that are cementitious, make sure you get all that stuff taken care of. It's important right now. Uh, Again, around the house, uh, for those of you do not be um, uh, lulled into a sense of no problem with this drought. Make sure that you're operating and exercising sump pumps, the motors down in those sump pits down in your basement. You may have more than one, so be aware. Uh, if you have a battery backup, it's time now to get the batteries uh, tested or changed. Those battery backup batteries would look like a car battery. It's a deep cycle. It's kind of like a trolling motor fishing boat uh, battery like that. But they're they're designed to sit dormant for a long time, very different than a car battery. So make sure you're getting the right kind of deep cycle backup battery. They have a life of about three years. Uh, Some go out in two, some go out in four. But once you get something like that, make sure you're checking it out because the worst thing is is to count on having a battery backup, power goes down, Ameren Electric goes away, Crawford Electric, you know, whatever. They lose power because of the big storms. And then your battery is kaput and you're, you know, you invested, you put all the money, you put all the effort into it and then your basement floods anyway. So just because of battery uh, lack of maintenance. So make sure that's it. Uh, Likewise, we get into uh, daylight savings time, which is coming up in early November. Be aware, get your batteries, uh, get them stocked up um, and test your batteries. Some of those old batteries that you have around the house. Uh, may not be quite the same that you're thinking of. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Bring it on. Uh, let's see what's happening with my friend David. David, good morning. Welcome to CamWex. How can I help, sir? Yeah, good morning. Thank you for uh, your service. Yeah. Got a couple roofing questions for you. 
Mm-hmm. I got one roof, part of my roof, flat black rubber roofing. It's probably 25, 20, 25 years old. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's a product that I could use to clean it and to kind of rejuvenate it to get maybe a little bit more life out of it. That's the first question. Okay. Uh, you're about uh, the end of that life. <laughs> I, I, I understand that, but it, it, they don't make any kind of product to, uh, to kind of rejuvenate that. No, you can make it look better. You can you can make it look better. You can't make it more reliable. What I would look at there, uh, David, is the joints, the seams, the seals, the laps. Uh, those are what fail quickly because you know they're they're man you know made. The sheets, as long as they don't get penetrated, that rubber uh, will get uh, brittle and uh, not as pliable, so it's subject to damage easier. That's usually what happens. And going into the winter, that gets colder, so it'll shrink, and it may pull apart. But your seams are the first place to look at. So take a look around at the edge of the roof where there might be flashing or a parapet wall where that metal, that rubber material goes up the wall. Check those, check the seams, and that's the best thing you can do for it. And give it a, give it a bath. I mean, you don't want things growing on it because you can get mold and mildew, especially at the seams and the penetrations like for a, you know, vent for a plumbing pipe or something. So, yeah, just just uh, just police the area, as we used to say. And, and, what, and what would I clean that with? What, what product would I use to clean that with that I wouldn't do any damage to the existing rubber roof? Yeah, soap and water. You're just washing a car. Just, just soap and water. Okay. Yeah, just All the seams are good, so I just, I'll just try to clean up. The second question is, I've got a wonderful old house with the old fishbone scale asbestos roofing shingles. Yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with. Oh, yeah. All right. So I've had people slide in some just aluminum in the volleys. The roof isn't good. It doesn't leak. It doesn't do anything. I've called a zillion different companies, and none of them will work on it. Right. So what I want to do is I want to replace the volleys in it. Yeah. So I go to my supplier and it's, uh, you know, a typical volley, they say, is about 18 inches. So I got nine inches on either side. Mm-hmm. So if I take off the shingles going up that volley, is that nine inch spread on an old roof like that enough? No. You know no. So, um, no. Uh, in um, uh, when you get driving rain. Um, especially on a metal valley, you can blow that rain sideways, even with the valleys with the curled in uh, 180-degree curled edges. You can blow the rain right out of the valleys, number one. And ice and snow will build up from the eave at the gutter line and crawl up underneath those valleys. So typically the way a valley is laid in on metal is a membrane goes all the way up 36 inches wide, 18 inches both sides, and then the metal valleys plunk down on top of that so that any ice and snow that crawls up from the bottom gutter line doesn't really get underneath the shingles. Okay, so so it's more the membrane underneath it that needs to be that 18 inches to either side and then the, 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 the nine-inch side of my copper volley, right. that, would be, that would be adequate. Yeah, it's just a redundant system that, uh, you know, the valley, a metal valley just flushes and scours itself. So you get a bunch of debris in it and you get a heavy rainfall, all that stuff washes out of your valley. Not so for a regular laced roof shingles that you can get the stuff. So that's the advantage of the metal valley. I love them. Okay, so next question, within this valley, I would like to leave like a three-inch gap. I mean, right now, the shingles are butted up in the valley. 
Mm-hmm. I would like to make a separation in that of about three inches on either side. Is that recommended? Is that something I should do or shouldn't do? Yeah, you should. Yeah. Uh, so you're telling me the on both sides the the roof is the roof from the left plane and the right plane are touching on that metal valley. Almost. Uh, that's not really correct. You're exactly right. You leave about three inches on each side because that's how the water flushes all the debris out of that valley. That's the advantage of those metal valleys is they're they're self cleaning. So if you have I, I, shingles I, I, to shing, yeah, you're yeah, I'm I'm tracking right with you there, brother. You're on it, David. Okay. Well, I think that answers my questions. Like you know, I get you know, I, I said I call a zillion companies, so I guess I'm going to have to get up and do it myself. Yeah, nobody um, will touch that. No, yeah. they just want to rip the whole roof off. Yeah, nobody want wants to. Roof. Yeah, that nobody touches asbestos. Not on siding. You know, we'll we'll yeah yeah. That's the so, shape of things so to come. Eighteen inch with my membrane, and then the nine inch dolly should be adequate. Yep, and about a and and about a five to six inch gap shingle to shingle on that valley. And do you know about cutting the top corners on those? As you have the top corner, cur- cut the top. There's there's going to be a point on the top end on those shingles that you need to curl that around. Right. So that may, that should already be cut in that way. Okay. All right. Well, Scott, thank you very much. Enjoy your show, and you have a great weekend. All right, David. Protect yourself. This stuff still is asbestos, brother. Oh, yeah. All right. I understand that. All right. Bye-bye. Bye now. Scott Mosby, KMOX, back for more after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, middle of the day here, KMOX, middle of the dial. For those of you that are sealing or cleaning and sealing, perhaps your deck, your patio, driveway, whatever it is, we're on the tail end of that. I know we're in still some pretty nice weather. Uh, keep in mind the optimal surface temperature, not air temperature, surface temperature, the temperature of the asphalt, temperature of the wood, temperature of the concrete is 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Most sealers are uh, designed to optimally or best operate at about that temperature. So when we get below that seven, <laughs> excuse me, that 70 degree temperature, um, you're you're kind of getting into the the curing cycle moving a little too slow. So, you know, you might apply that sealer and it might be a day before you can walk on it as opposed to, you know, a few hours in the normal summertime. So just be aware, it is the surface temperature that is optimally 70 degrees uh, Fahrenheit for whether asphalt coating, concrete sealing with silicone-based or water-based, whatever it is, uh, deck re-cleaning and and, uh, staining, staining being a sealing method, any kind of cleaning and brick uh, sealing is also likewise. So we're we're at about the tail end of that. Uh, Professional installers can do that because they typically have thermometers. They know what the temperature is of the concrete or they can change the formulation of that sealer to operate at better temperatures. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines and talk to my friend Dave. Hey, Dave, Scott Mosby, good morning. Welcome. How can I help, sir? Hey, Scott. How's it going? Oh, fantabulous. How about you? Hey, uh, you mentioned at the beginning of the show about putting rock salt on the concrete. Yeah. Um, is there any compound or anything that uh, you can put on those scars before I try to refinish it? Um, wh- when you say refinish, what do you have in mind? Well, it, it's flaking off on the on the porch from the salt, like yeah. on the top finish. The finish is kind of flaking off, and I was wondering if you know, instead of me just putting concrete down and trying to smooth it out, is I didn't know if there was 
a professional type compound that would adhere to the concrete uh, that you put down and on the concrete that exists there now. Yeah, it, the, you're in a really tough place. If you have salt deterioration, what is happening is the chemical bond has been broken or destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. The professional way to find out what is solid and what is not is literally to drag a metal, an iron chain over it and listen to the sound. If it's hollow, mm-hmm. um, because if you use a bouncing, you know, dowel rod wood or something like that, you can actually, uh, you know, knock the stuff off. The problem, right, right. So anyway, it, it's just kind of dragging a chain around and you listen to it. You After a while, if you drag it on good concrete, you'll hear it very high pitch, very solid, uh, feels as such. And then all of a sudden it'll drop to a hollow sound, kind of like okay. dragging a chain across an empty um, metal can. Uh, it, it'll be solid. It'll be hollow sounding. That's where you have to then spall that, remove that spalling concrete. The problem mm-hmm. is any patch like this, uh, Dave, is uglier than the uh, blemish because the color. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, careful, <laughs> That's what I was afraid of. <laughs> careful what you ask for, brother. You just might get yeah. it. You, know, so, I you mean, almost have to uh, yeah. pour a new porch, I guess. I don't know. That's kind of the thing. You can skim it, and there are high-quality. There are epoxy-based sealers. Um, there, right. You can use a, a concrete glue, which works really good in this situation. Long and the short of it is you're putting brand-new concrete over 5, 10, 15, 20-year-old dirty concrete, and it's like right. paint matching. You know, golly, even the professionals can't match paint very well. Right. It's like two years old. It's a new home. and Ouch. Yeah, I put the salt on it last winter. <laughs> it's oh, flaking. Man. I mean, I can... I can just sweep it sometimes and the, it starts flaking off. Yeah, I would do the, I would, uh, frankly, I would look at, I would do the chain thing. I'd scrape mm-hmm. it a little bit and see what you can do. Um, you can actually do a, a dowel rod, a metal one, or um, a wood one, I mean, and it's usually enough to pop those pieces, those loose pieces out. Take a look at what mm-hmm. it looks like. Um, and the issue is if you seal it, um, which may be the better choice, you really can't patch it anymore because you've contaminated that surface with, you know, basically a sealer membrane in, like Teflon. You can just put Teflon between the new patch. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah, be careful. That's right. fire because there's, um, you know, and, and I'll tell you, you hear Charlie Brennan advertise for Morelli. Uh, what they do and do really well when they patch brick, you'll get brick spalling off the face of a house and I've seen um, the Morelli team do this. They are really good at color matching that brick, but they, you know, they they test it. You know, they'll right. And so, and these guys have been doing this stuff for thirty, forty years. So, and they're yeah. pretty. You good. say Morelli? Well, Morelli does it on brick. They aren't going to necessarily do mm. it dry. My point being is, unless you've got decades of experience color matching uh, brick and stone, right. you you almost don't have a chance at at color matching a concrete. Even matching it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That All right. answers that. All right. All Sorry, right. Dave. Take we'll care, brother. All right. Bye. Bye. And that's it's interesting for those of you um, and mortar matching when you tuck point. Uh, that's a big deal. So. Uh, and, and those of you that are do-it-yourselfers that have done a beautiful job tuck pointing, you know what I'm talking about because you mix up new mortar. That new mortar is very white bright. Um, even if you put color in it and there are stains and it's a dusting pile of of pigment in, in, in powder form and it's very, very powerful. Uh, so the point being that you can really mess up a lot when you're dealing with that much power, whether it's concrete matching 
mortar matching, which is how it ties in with, you know, the brick and the concrete, you really need to know what you're talking about, even when you get a concrete contractor that's going to replace, say, two sections of your driveway or two sections of your sidewalk. You know, when that concrete comes out of the ready-mix truck, that stuff's going to be bright white. So sometimes they will put in a tint. They'll, you know, they'll throw colorant into that ready-mix truck, which costs a ton of money because now that ready-mix truck has to be all cleaned out, and I mean really cleaned out, uh, before it goes to the next uh, batch concrete. So the point being is it's very difficult and uh, not often done where uh, replacement concrete slabs will be colorized, and, and you'll know it. Those that are willing to do it uh, better have a whole lot of experience in it because it's really easy to mess up. Phone lines open right here, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, as it relates to uh, front porches and steps and sidewalks and uh, spalling concrete from salt deterioration of ice melt. Uh, just beware, that's, that's the tough part. And the reason you want to seal your concrete or seal your deck or seal your asphalt is it holds those stains up higher on the surface. It's not any magical sealer where, you know, water isn't going to soak into your concrete and it's not going to spall and not going to expand, all that. The issue is that sealing holds the water, the moisture. Uh, if you have to happen to have salt or something on it, it holds it up in the top surface of that concrete. And uh, it also keeps the ice a little bit easier to pop off and clean off uh, when you are in a deep freeze, situ- deep freeze situation. So that's why sealing is so important or why I'm, I'm big on it. it it's, it's important. Uh, it's not the end-all, be-all. But my gosh, it's a whole lot better than no sealer at all. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. We're going to take a short pause and come right back for more after this on KMOX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, indeed. Scott Mosby here wrapping up Hour 2 of University of KMOX. Tonight, the Cardinals play the Pirates right here in St. Louis. Game time, 737. Pre-game here on KMOX, 630. Right after this show, about 1215, uh, we have the St. Louis Soccer Club here. St. Louis SC uh, playing in St. Louis. So we've got a lot of things happening right here or at least broadcasting here in St. Louis on, on KMOX. Uh, let's go to the phone lines and talk to my friend Stan. Stan, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help? Yeah, uh, Scott, I am remodeling a kitchen in an old house, and I've got a chimney that runs up through the kitchen from downstairs all the way through the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it had plaster on it. Originally, I, I took all the, got all the plaster off of it, cleaned the chimney with a muric attic acid solution, and cleaned it all up. Now when I rub up against it, I'm getting like a red uh, dust off of it. Is there something I can do to seal that without changing the color of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You basically seal it. Now, um, there's a penetrating sealer like a silicone material that is more of a water control sealer. Um, what really needs to go on that brick is an acrylic sealer, which is similar to... Um, um, basically kitchen floor wax. You know, the acrylic liquid, uh, you know, clear never yellows. Yeah. Okay, that's the type of material it will be. It is an acrylic, and it's called a wet-look um, sealer. On brick, okay. it will still soak in uh, to the point, and what it does is it's mostly a dust control. But what you did okay. with that... Um, 
uh, cleaner. I mean, with the muriatic acid, is that doesn't really affect the brick. That affects the mortar only. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you so, you, you got to clean. You're ready to go. You, you may need to rinse it after that muriatic before you put sealer on it because you still have acid in dry form uh, sitting right. on that brick. Okay. So what's the what kind of product? It's an acrylic. Yep, acrylic sealer. Acrylic clear sealer, and hopefully, if you find two or three sheens, you know, like how shiny it is, how reflective, you'll get a M A T T E matte, and sometimes it's um, semi gloss, and sometimes wet look gloss. You want the matte, you want it to be not shiny. Right, right. Okay, so it's an acrylic matte gloss. Okay. Yeah, and if (laughs) oftentimes you're only going to find one, and it won't have anything Mm -hmm. about it's just inherently a shiny sealer. But okay. it, if All you right. put two coats on it, it will definitely shine. So make mm-hmm. sure you do what's called a wet on wet, which which means you have one application shot at it. Now, that means you right. roll it one direction and brush it another and then roll it the other direction while it's still wet. So wet on wet, because once it cures and once it dries, then you're base, then you're painting the paint. You're not painting the mm-hmm. brick anymore and it'll, it'll yeah. turn out to be really shiny. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And a pump sprayer may be the way to apply that stuff, too. That's, that's what I was thinking. Maybe <laughs> just spray it on. Yeah, and maybe a two-man job, even as small as it is. Uh, you know, if it's a small chimney, you may be able to do it yourself. But, you know, spray it on, get it in, and then daub, it, daub all the mortar joints with a brush. Uh, come back if you need to, uh, even with a wet um, roller to uh, brush even, or something. Yeah. even it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Take care, Stan. Good luck, my friend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. Uh, Interesting thing on some of those chimneys. um, I know it sounds kind of strange. Oftentimes, if you have an older furnace that needs to be replaced, and this is how we look at things at Mosby Building Arts, which is my day job. If that chimney goes through the kitchen, uh, typically you've got a water heater and a furnace connected to it. But if your water heater is on its last uh, legs, your furnace needs to be upgraded and replaced. You can actually horizontally vent. You can get rid of that whole chimney. Now, that's a two-story or three-story issue going all the way up through the roof. So, But be aware that there are other options than just dealing with the chimney because it sits there in your kitchen. Uh, and because now you get a higher-efficiency furnace, it now ports exhausts through PVC pipe going through the side of your house Your hot water heater can likewise do the same. If your units are both in still good condition, then you just deal with it. You leave the chimney where it is and you work and design around it. The point being that there are are alternatives that if within a year or two you have to replace that furnace, well, you know, that's, that's usually big money, a water heater not so much. So you basically replace both of those as part of the kitchen, and that's how some of those kitchen remodeling projects get to be pricey because you're adding more things to it to optimize that design. And you're also then adding on, now you're into HVAC replacement, which isn't really part of the kitchen, but now it looks like it financially. Uh, Let's see what's happening with my friend Art. Art, good morning. Welcome to Camux. How can I help, sir? Yeah, Scott, I appreciate it if you could sort of give me a estimate in today's dollars as far as the cost. When I came back from Korea, from the Korean War, I happened to be 93, so I'm sort of recollecting back. Okay. We got a house out here in Afton, had some old uh, broken uh, Merrimack stone concrete walls cracked, breaking up mm-hmm. in the uh, uh, fence line. 
with cedar posts and garden wire and so forth like that. Yeah. Now, this was all with, uh, with shovel, with uh, sledgehammers, uh, hauling 50-pound chunks of broken concrete yeah. out of two 150-foot fence lines on either side. Then we dug, well, I did the work, actually, part-time. took me 27 months of four hours a day uh, to go ahead and accomplish this. But I dug down three foot, 30 inch wide, put the dog on footing in and the rebars and uh, so forth. My brother helped uh, with getting the concrete loads into the dog on farms and so forth that we had set up. Mm -hmm. And we finally get the uh, the fence wire up and so forth like that. Now, I don't know what a ditch witch and labor costs would be nowadays, but what do you think that type of uh, installation or that type of excavation would uh, amount to? Um, Art, the amount of time it took you to, to describe it directly relates to how much money it costs. Yeah. <laughs> it would yeah. be, it would, uh, golly, I would say a hundred foot long um, fence like that. Oh my gosh. Um, with all new materials in, in today's dollars, you know, yeah. just for a hundred feet of that would be probably $60,000. I mean, for a hundred. Well, like I say, it took me three years yeah. from March to September, four hours a day, after work, to come in and grab that dog on shovel, that pick, and the sledgehammer dragging all that broken concrete out, stacking the, it up, and then oh, having yeah. my brother come along with a truck and go ahead and haul it off to a dump. Yeah, well, that's the way it is, you know. Well, all the, even today, Art, there's a lot of handwork in that. So two thirds of what you're describing would be done about the same way, except for the digging, the ditch, witch, and maybe ready mix. But I mean, it's it's still a heavy labor intensive project, which is why the dollars. You think sixty thousand for a hundred foot? Yep, yep. Which means if yeah, you have well, three hundred feet, um, this was on both sides of the property, a hundred and fifty foot on either side. So that's three hundred foot. Yeah, so there you 180000 in today's dollars. Yeah, like I say, well, you know, when you grow up through the Depression, yeah. anything worth having is worth working for. You go ahead and be prepared, <laughs> and you go ahead and you just put your back and your mind to it, and you do it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't depend upon a no screw nails, <laughs> no type of electric uh, outlets or cords or anything like that. It was all that concrete broke pretty good though. It came out maybe twenty five, fifty pound chunks, wow. and then you had to dig it out of the ground. You know. Well, Art, thanks for the call and uh, anything. Uh, you, so you think one hundred and eighty thousand, though? Yeah, maybe if you have three hundred feet, it might drop down to economy of scale. You might get one hundred and fifty thousand. But you know, my message is, it's a boatload of money. Yeah, well, like I say, God kept me with good, strong hands and shoulders, and I did the doggone work. And the, that garden saw was pretty easy going. <laughs> Thank you. All right, thanks for the call, Art. Take care. And there we go. I mean, Art did this himself, but 
it's interesting. His name is Art. Any project that takes that much effort and care and planning and, and frankly, love looks like it. So why is a stone wall so beautiful? Well, because somebody worked really hard to make it happen. Crown mold the same way. Uh, Multi-piece wood trim. A nice uh, picture frame that's just stunningly put together. Things that take effort are reflected in artistic appreciation. And I've I've studied this a long time. You know, why, why is a... You know, I'll walk into the the St. Louis old courthouse down on the riverfront. And you look at some of the woodwork in that thing. Like, wow, what a piece of art. And, you know, the doors that are so tall. Those things are majestic and the effort and the time necessary. Uh, Monticello the same way. So art's effort in putting together this wall reflects out in, I'll bet a lot of people have driven past that wall and appreciated that wall for many, many years. And, uh, you know, it it shows. So effort, love, and care is what comes out in what's known or feeling as quality and beauty. Um, Not always, but mostly it is. Anyway, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Stay tuned. We'll be back for more after this on KMOX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Okay, phone lines for the next few minutes. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. Coming up tonight, Cards versus the Pirates. And it is postseason, and it's a do-or-die game for us tonight. Uh, game at 737, pregame 630, uh, St. Louis SC Soccer Club coming up here uh, right following, right after following this uh, show at 1215. We go to the pregame show right coming right out of uh, news, weather, and sports. I'll be back in a few minutes. And this is Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Uh, bring it on if you have questions. We've had a good show today. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, water basement, the caulking of the floor to the concrete foundation wall. Pat started us off. And in the heavy rainstorm, she had, occur- had experienced a few occurrences of water coming through. Uh, should she close that up? Um, and the answer is you don't really have to from a structural standpoint. My issue was more uh, radon over the future. Uh, water is kind of the third choice. Number one, I like to caulk up that joint just because that's where bugs go down and come up. And, you know, I can control my bugs in the basement. And it's a good uh, place to put a good urethane caulk. But really any even a low-grade latex caulk will work out fine for that. So, yes, caulk that joint between the floor and the wall. Mostly for aesthetics. I like the looks of it. Controls the bugs. Uh, Number two, more importantly, is radon gas, which is an odorless, colorless, uh, very nasty um, uh, radioactive gas that can cause lung cancer uh, in higher concentrations. So be aware of that. And number three, it just looks good. So uh, also we had cultured marble. This back to caulking the tub and the wall between, uh, you know, in a shower or a tub, bathroom. Uh, Make sure that the moisture behind that building material, behind the cultured marble, behind the tile, behind that acrylic wall, whatever it is, if there's moisture back there and it can come from the other side of the wall and it can come down from the exterior of the house. So be aware of that. Uh, let's go to the phone lines now and talk to Jane, see what's cooking. Hey, Jane, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help? Hello, Jane. I had a, 
I've had a problem for the last two years in my kitchen, uh-huh. and it's over my uh, stove area okay. and next to where I've got a broom closet and floor-to-ceiling cabinets with crown molding at the top. Okay. Anyway, it at first we thought it was a rain leak, but when it's not raining, like today, it started leaking again, and it dribbles down from that crown molding and comes down the wall. Now, there's nothing above it as far as um, any kind of water pipes. Mm-hmm. They all come up through the other side on the north side of the house, and this is on the east side wow. of the kitchen. And it only seems to do it in cold weather. Yeah. And the problem is I don't have access to get up into the attic to look at it. We've looked at the roof, and there's no place that anything is leaking there. And it's just this one specific spot, and it's it just dribbles down. And it hadn't leaked since May. Yeah. And as soon as the temperature's dipped, it's starting to leak again, whatever it is. Uh, what's the Have material of the wall? Clue? What is the wall material made of? Uh, the wall material is plasterboard. Plasterboard. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, you're dealing with condensation. So this moisture is coming either out of the air or from the building material uh, behind it. I don't think you have a leak when you have cold weather. Uh, and we just came out of, you know, some pretty warm, humid mo- uh, months. So mm-hmm. the the building material is wet. And when that cold weather hits, you've got uh, probably there's a lack of insulation up in the attic. So the condensation may happen at that point. I'm, I'm not sure how this all ties together, but I'm pretty sure it's condensation based based on your cold weather observation. And see this, and then the thing is, is that my I've got attic access on the south side of the house, yeah. but I've got a cathedral ceiling, yep. and the spot to get through to the other side, the north side of the house, is too tight. Nobody can squeeze through yeah. to go up there and look and see where the condensation is coming from. Yeah. Now on the other side, I don't have any problems, and I've got there's the regular that old uh, fiberglass. Uh, yeah. Uh, stuffing up there in the ceiling. Jane, I'm going to have but, to go now, but I know that it, it's a spray foam solution. You've got to isolate that cold material from that m- warm, moist air. Um, sorry okay. to... So, happy hunting. Uh, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Stay tuned. More coming up on camera. The year was